Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Now, here's the host of WP Tonic, Jonathan Dinwood and John Locke. Welcome to WP Tonic, episode 167. Today, we've got the immense pleasure of having as our guest, Tim Brown. Hey, guys. Before, before, we get into, <laughs> before we get into today's episode, I want to thank our sponsor, Liquid Web. And while Liquid Web has best been known in the past as a managed hosting company with tons of options, recently they've designed a managed WordPress offering that's perfect for Michigan mission-critical sites. And if you're looking for improved performance, maximized uptime, and incredible support, Liquid Web is definitely the partner that you've been looking for. Every Liquid Web managed WordPress customer also has iThemes Sync integrated right into their management portal, allowing you to update several sites with a single touch. And if you sign up today using the discount code WPTONIC33, you'll get a 33% discount for the next six months. If you visit liquidweb.com slash WordPress to get started, be sure to use that code WPTONIC33. And with that, we're going to get right into the show. Uh, Tim, tell us a little bit about yourself for those that don't know you. So uh, my name is Tim Brown. I'm a... WordPress developer, web designer, uh, SEO specialist out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, spent a couple years, two and a half years in an agency, uh, and just somewhat recently uh, went full-time freelance to do, you know, very heavy on the WordPress side builds and work with people in this area um, as well as around the country. Um, and uh, I, I have a strong focus in kind of marketing and persuasion and I definitely enjoy all aspects of kind of web design and things like that but um, yeah I'd say that the marketing aspects definitely play to my strong suits and um, the development piece is like a tool to get there it's kind of like the, the paint that you have to use to to work on the web in my uh, humble opinion and so yeah not excellent. Uh, I also want to introduce my co-host, Jonathan Denwood. Jonathan, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, thanks, John. Um, but first, um, I'd like to say something about Liquid Web, folks. You really want to go and look what they're doing. Um, it looks a pretty amazing platform. And if you've got multiple sites, client sites i suggest that you take up the offer um about me um i'm the founder of wp tonic we're wordpress support um security we just look after people's websites so they can just concentrate on making money excellent get that money stack that cheddar and uh and I'm John Locke. Uh, my business is Lockdown Design, and what I do is I provide custom WordPress development and local SEO services to blue-collar industries. Uh, so there you go. 
Uh, Tim, something I like to we like to ask everybody that comes on the show is, what is your origin story? How did you first get into doing uh, web design and web development and marketing? Well, the first uh, time I ever made a website was on a platform called Homestead when I was like 11 uh, at a at a uh, library. It was my bus stop, so I stopped there. And I would just kind of go on the computer, and I was like, man, you can make a website? I swear they like were like givingout.coms at that point. So I like made like three, uh, and these really bad websites. Um, and I went to school later on for it. Um, after I took a big shot at – I tried to take a big shot at music um, and still got to do the creative thing, freelance my way through college – um, joined an agency because that was kind of the thing to do uh, when I got done with college and I didn't want to be like the uncool guy who didn't have an agency job. And then once I was uh, kind of a little frustrated with that because I couldn't uh, essentially control the process, um, I kind of separated myself from that just recently and um, – yeah, I just I found this community of Minneapolis, and it's kind of hungry for uh, independent providers of web design, people that actually get it when it comes to, like, the marketing aspects. Um, I think that there's so many big – and even, like, the 20 to 50, 100-person agencies in Minneapolis, there's so many of these types of agencies where they move slow and they charge you 10 k just to get uh, – of discovery and they kind of they gouge you a little bit so to me uh you know i hope to be one of those people that gouges people one day but no i'm i'm really <laughs> a i'm really a guy that can that can kind of move in a um nimble way uh to to kind of service these customers and get there and, and uh and still has that kind of like that know-how versus like sometimes web designers don't don't fully understand how to persuade people online. And our end goal is just to make people money, right? Our end goal is just to uh, get the leads and get the sales, you know what I mean? And so if you have somebody that understands that and can implement, it's, uh, it's I can just be a lot more lean, you know? Yeah. I totally get it. Um, you know, and a lot of People, anybody that's in the web space, we try and put people in a box. Like either you're a developer or a designer or a marketer. And when I really think of you and and maybe like a handful of other people, I think of more someone who's got um, expertise in in a lot of spectrums. Yeah. Um. And when when we talk about like web projects, I mean, it really takes three pillars to make any any website really stand up. You need you know excellent content. And marketing, you need uh, great design, and you need a solid development uh, for the architecture. Now, for you, when when you're uh, scoping out projects and and when you're meeting with a client, how do you address like each of those three areas, and and how do you plot out how those things are going to go? Yeah, so some of these uh, business oriented process oriented things i'm actually just getting them worked out for myself right now in uh as an individual yeah i I looked at the agency i said there's some things broken about this so i you know and you kind of switch off to the side um 
Now I'm doing my own thing. The pro, the content thing is always just a painful part of my process because I've had people writing it themselves and we get to the end of that process and it's uh, it's a month or two before done, but now it's not done. So I'm really just learning how I can mitigate the issues related to that right now. Um, and one of them is I'm putting it in my proposal. If there's something related to content or client responsibility that I still get paid when we plan to launch. Um, and the other thing is just really, really communicating at those key junctures when we present design, when I talk through development that this is the day it's due. If not, you still pay. You know what I mean? Those are kind of crucial because cash flow mm -hmm. is important in this business. So um, I am, I am figuring it out. I by no means know the exact way to make sure that that part's not painful. The, uh, the design and the development piece, I feel like I've got them down. Like I, I can get a design that looks nice that the client will agree to and that does what they need it to do. And I feel like very comfortable with that part. The development is, you know, I always, there's always one or two things in there that's kind of like pushes my boundaries a little bit as far as like getting something to like, I don't know exactly how we're going to do this, but we're going to do it. And you have to sell it. You have to sell a little bit past your comfort zone sometimes and then make it happen because you know, if you're just going to be this straight marketing site guy, just lead generation, just whatever, just simple, that you have so much more competition. But if you're the guy that's willing to say, I'm going to do a marketing site for you that's going to create value, but there's this little extra feature that you want. I don't know exactly how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to put it in the proposal. I'm going to make sure that all – I have uh, my – functionality requirements, I make sure that that's all documented. So at least I know exactly what I'm agreeing to and they know exactly what they're agreeing to. And, um, you know, some of those things I definitely look into a little bit, uh, a little bit before I write the proposal. It's important to know exactly what we're agreeing to though. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I feel like, you know, with WordPress, I'm a kind of a WordPress fanboy, so I'm, appro I'm appropriate for this uh, podcast is, I just feel like you can get so much done, so much done. There's so many things built on for it. The open, uh, the open source aspect of it, where people are building awesome add-ons all the time. Love it, and uh, and I don't know. I think it's you know one of the main concerns people had was either it was a little bit insecure, um, and a lot of the websites look the same or whatever. That back in the day, I think. <clears throat> And as long as, you know, to me, I do it from scratch, the WordPress. So whatever I design, it's going to look like that. So it's not going to be, it has nothing to do with, with the, uh, the fact it's on WordPress. Um, it's whatever we feel is appropriate for your marketing uh, needs. I design that and then we develop it. Um, the, the secure thing, I feel like WordPress is getting more secure. I know people still get stuff hacked, but uh, I don't know. I haven't... <laughs> I haven't had it happen to me in a long time and uh, fingers crossed, but as long as you're not making your password password and uh, a couple, you know, there's a couple of good, I don't know, maybe you guys got some suggestions for uh, people's concerns with, uh, with security plugins or whatever, but I really just haven't had a ton of 
have not had a ton of issues with with security. So those are those are my two kind of like things about WordPress. I think some people get a little worried about those bits, but yeah. No, very good. Um, what's the big differences? I know that you worked at uh, Snap Agency like earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the big differences between working at an agency and working for yourself? Is it just not having the, uh, you know, the backup? Um, you know, how how are those those processes uh, look a little bit different? Well, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, I'm I'm a salesman now, <laughs> and I have <laughs> yeah. to say I have to say it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of time. And I appreciate very much, in hindsight, the salesman we had, even though I sometimes was like, dude, what are you selling here? <laughs> um, but I, you know, I've gotten a lot more respect for that, the craft. I'm learning sales as I go along here, um, and I'm trying to be better at it. In essence, it's just trying to help people get what they need. And because I know that what I do provides a ton of value for their business, I feel good about it, but it's a lot of time. And sometimes it's kind of like chasing after leads or kind of prospects that aren't fully developed and they kind of take a while and then sometimes fall off. So that's a little frustrating. That's a big difference. Uh, But I think in the end, well, the biggest one, is obviously capital and getting the money, <laughs> get more money now, which is much, you know, I like that. I like that my cut of the pie is bigger. That's a, that's a real concern. Um, if you're, if you're getting into the industry, you, I do think it's really good to have a job at an agency for some period of time. I think it's good for people a lot of times because they're able to kind of build up the side thing a little bit. I, you know, call it the overlap technique. Uh, gentleman Sean McCabe, Sean yep. West podcast. Yep. Uh, he, he talks about that overlap technique, and I think it's it's really good. I'm doing an overlap technique at all times with something, so I have like a startup idea that I'm working on right now. You know what I mean? But at the agency, I had the agency thing, and then I was building this on the side, and then this thing just kind of like whew, now it's here. People are probably like, "Whoa, how did you know? How did this dude? I mean, I got like what." I've got like 70K sales in like two months. It feels really good. But what have I been doing on the side? For this entire time that I was at Snap, I was blogging my head off. I was, you know, doing as much kind of self-promotion stuff as possible. And a lot of people are humble or, you know, really good people. And they they don't want to do this self-promotion thing. But I tell you what. Um, it's definitely allowing me to have more freedom and more financial stability. Um, and that's nothing to shake a stick at. So I did a lot of self-promotion when I was at snap and, uh, kind of built this up on the side in addition, you know, in addition to working that 40 hours at snap and sometimes more. So it was no, it was no small thing, but is you know, it's definitely keeping up with your own personal brand, even if you're working for another company. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that that all helped me kind of ramp this up on the side. I had a runway, a financial runway. I was able to put away like enough money to let's say last three or four months, even if I got no clients. And so that I used that to kind of, um, get up and running. I think people get scared of full-time freelance or running their own business, uh, for reasons like, Hey, I don't want to handle those taxes. I want somebody else to do it. 
Um, yeah, man, it, it does hurt to write a big check to the government uh, and, you know, whatever. We all get a little fiscally conservative when we're writing a giant check to the <laughs> government. But, um, hey, at least I'm being real and conscious about what I'm actually doing because when I worked for the agency, it just came out of my paycheck. I wasn't thinking about it. You know, it just goes away. There's, you know, 20, 30%, whatever, just gone. Now I'm being conscious about it. I'm being real. And I, I recognize I need to make more to cover that. Um, I need to I need to pay that check. I'm grateful. I'm writing a big check to the government. I wrote, it, I wrote, I wrote it recently just a 10K check to the government, and I just thought to myself, <laughs> you know what? This is beautiful. I feel great about this. I, am, I feel good about it because I'm really figuring out what it really means to be an entrepreneur. Because, and, and when I go to the clients, when I go to prospects, I'm going to price myself more appropriately. Um, it's, it's real. So you're going to pay uh, your taxes at some point if you're a successful business. And, uh, and to me, making sure that I'm doing it right from the beginning is crucial. Um, just because that way I'm, I'm really pricing myself effectively this year. You know what I mean? I want to do that. I want to price myself effectively. And that means, yeah, a little bit more. Um, but it also means I'm legitimate. <laughs> and uh, and all those things, I think, are difficult. They are difficult about being out on your own. But it's uh, it's one of those things where it's it's part of growing up. It's part of growing up. No, definitely. So, I, I definitely yeah, admire like what you've done, for sure. Yeah, and that's that's the the big difference. Those are some of the big differences, and I, there's definitely positives, and we'll talk probably more about that of being on your own. Um, but those are two of the tough, the kind of the speed bumps. But the more speed bumps you go over, the less people are in your group. Like less people, a lot of people turn back. They see taxes, you know, whatever, paying taxes, bookkeeping, all these things, and then they turn back and they go work for somebody else and whatever, and that's less less competition in my opinion so uh, yeah definitely one more question before we go to our first break but uh something there's a couple things there's a lot that, that you and i want to unpack there that you said yeah. um you know first like as very gary vanerchuk might say you used your seven to two um to build your personal brand so yeah. you weren't you weren't um, chained to having like an agency job because you built your personal brand up to where it, you had some brand equity. So, yeah. you know, great for that. So um, the other thing that you said that I thought was people should really take note of is when you're out on your own, you're pricing yourself in a way that your business is going to be sustainable and that you're yeah. still going to be here and not have to retreat back into a regular like day job. Um, yeah. So, so what do you see as like kind of the major pitfalls for people who go out on their own? They think like, I can do this. What are the things that really, that make them go through the dip or the, the hurdles that they, that mm -hmm. make them retreat back into the safety and security of that? Not that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. But, but what are the things that make people turn back? Um, I think that some of the things that, make people turn back are there is a certain amount of let's say desire to not have responsibility for certain things um 
they don't want to be on the hook essentially they don't want to be on the hook when a client has an issue or uh when you know some of these business processes that i talked about um i also do think it does take a certain amount of extra effort um to push past some of these you know you're talking about the dip um and i think the biggest thing i can say is push up your prices as soon as you're able um and i think a piece of that it, you know, you can't, you can't double it every time, but you can push up as, as you get busier. Hopefully you're getting busier. You're pushing up a bit at a time. And there's essentially, uh, an, I think the, a big thing is pushing your price up because you can justify that. You can justify it with extra hard work and making the next best site you've ever done in your life. Um, and if you're pushing that quality up every time, along with the price, you're going to, you're going to essentially, you, you keep going. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I think that you want to have better and better clients. You want to have, uh, uh, more and more financial freedom. So to me, just pushing that price up as you're able the like, like you were saying, if you're not pricing yourself appropriately to cover taxes, to, cover whatever business needs you have and have some buffer, then your business, you're going to fold. You're going to fold fairly quick. So uh, the key is, is pricing yourself appropriately enough to stay in business and be able to serve those clients going forward. So you're like, I want to be a nice guy. I want to price myself so that uh, Joe the plumber can buy my stuff every time and it's let's say you're pricing yourself at like a thousand two thousand three thousand bucks or whatever for your site yes you more people can afford you but you're not going to be in business it's going to be hard to stay in business with pricing like that do you know what i mean my opinion is that you need to push your prices up um no matter where you're at really i really think it's the best way to go and in the service industry we are allowed to quote people out at new prices. Like um, we're allowed to change our pricing pages if we have them as, as we get better, as we get more efficient, as we be, become um, better at our jobs essentially. And that's key. Awesome. Uh, we're going to head to our first break. And then when we come back, we're going to be talking more with Minneapolis web designer extraordinaire, Tim Brown. See you after awesome. break. Thanks. <laughs> Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com. Just like the podcast. We're coming back from the break, and we're talking more with Tim Brown. Uh, one last question I want to ask before I kick it over to Jonathan. Uh, one thing that I noticed on your site is you actually have a whole directory 
of other Minneapolis designers, uh, people that are in your community where you uh, give them a place to uh, put their profile, uh, you know, spotlight a little bit of what they do. Um, and I know that a lot of people, most people, most, you know, uh, freelancers, most agencies would never do this. Uh, mm. So, you know, what, what, what goes into uh, making a decision like that? And, and why do you uh, if, feel that that is a good thing and, and like a way to give back to the community? Well, I'm crazy, first of all. Why, I don't know why mm-hmm. anyone would do that. Uh, hey, I was working at this agency. I had 20 hours to work on the side. And I, was, I had got my website the, as a lead generation tool into somewhat of a fever pitch, like more than I could handle on the side. And I can handle a lot. Um, so I essentially just kind of like, it's, it's, I mean, it, I'm not like a charity. So I was essentially just directing runoff over to that directory. Like if it's not an ideal client, I go to that directory. I'm not trying to be an ass to the people that, that are in that directory, but hey, there's several of the people that take smaller jobs than me in that directory. So I essentially feel like I'm still being useful to every prospect. That's key to me. I want, even if I don't work with them, I want to give them some piece of value because they could work with me in the future. And I want to be, I want to be the guy to go to. I want to be the guy to go to. If you need a freelancer for web design in Minneapolis, I want to be the guy to go to. Like you shouldn't need to go to anyone else. These people don't have enough time. They don't want to be of use or what have you. Maybe they do, but people aren't finding them a lot of times. They're finding me because I've done so much work on the the inbound marketing, the content marketing, the social media marketing. So I've done so much work on those things. A lot of people are finding me through those things. And I'd like to be the guy, the site to go to to find a freelancer for web design in Minneapolis, even if it's not me. It's kind of that old model of, you know, like, what is it? Well, they, they compare pricing, like insurance companies. They're like, you know, our pricing, and even if we're not the best price, we'll give you the, the best possible price, even if it's our competitor. And it's the same concept. Um, what does that do? That kind of throws people off a little bit. They're like, whoa, this guy's like not just in it to get my business if I'm not – not, I'm not a good fit for him, then he'll try to connect me with somebody that is. That's like a little bit like almost uh, disarming, I think. And so that's the vibe I'm going for. Definite. I love it. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan. Yeah. Oh, Tim, um, you said about um, marketing sites. What I'd like to get from you um, is that I feel that if you're dealing with a marketing, so-called a marketing site, and you're de- developing a number of funnels and putting all the intellectual capital that's needed to build effective funnels on an on-site property, that's a considerable amount of work. Would you agree with that? And it's a very different to traditional graphic design. Um, the individual that has to work all that out. Um, 
So I definitely work with people ongoing with a kind of a retainer style thing. Um, I usually put it under the the uh, canopy of of SEO, um, but I also do some conversion rate optimization while I'm in there. So you're talking about the different funnels um, and the essentially the ongoing work that it takes to kind of make effective funnels, you know, for the different segments and get people kind of moving down them. And um, so it's, for me, it's always paired with the, the content marketing and, you know, getting backlinks for them and things like that. Um, and then I do the onsite stuff and kind of nudge people, create, let's say like um, landing pages with a little bit more of like a lead generation focus um, yeah, so it's, it's been more on the SEO side with a, with a little bit of like conversion rate optimization, which is what I'd call the kind of the funnel, uh, you know, forming those funnels. But, you know, people, people, I feel like pay me decently well to do the SEO stuff so I can cover some of those other things. That's my personal kind of model with that. Yeah, that was great. But what I was trying which I failed um, through my ramble, Tim, um, is I don't think a lot of clients understand the amount of work involved if you really got a site that's got considerable traffic, but they're looking for more conversion. Yeah, yeah the amount of work involved. Would you agree Mm -hmm. that if you've got a client like that, there is a lot of work involved? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's very, it's a delicate process to get people to convert on a site. And I think uh, I've been involved with enough kind of redesigns or, you know, uh, progressive enhancement projects where you just see what, what kind of, small things, but also, you know, the significant things that you're talking about tweaks um, that end up helping more people convert and push that number up over time. Um, yeah, they t- it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of, uh, it really, like you're talking about intellectual capital, that's the biggest piece probably, right? You know, to me, I think the, you know, the actual creating of it or whatever is, Let's say let's say it takes you five hours to make something a little bit more uh, conversion uh, rate centric or whatever you want to you want to actually get the conversion rate up. Um, but knowing what it is that's gonna do that, that you need some testimonials, that you need some trust factors, that you need some, and, and knowing how to do that in somewhat efficient way, and to to work with the company to to come up with those and to figure that out. Um, that is something a lot of designers, graphic designers, don't do, don't understand, don't care about. And they, to be honest, they, they've never had to because just design by itself is, you know, it's in demand. And they're getting 50K a year to just do design. So they don't have the ambition to, like, figure out how do we sell this thing? We need to sell it. Like, having some urgency on that and figuring out how to do it effectively, I think that yeah, to me, that knowledge and that kind of emphasis on selling, the ability to do that through a website is the most valuable thing that I think you can offer. Just having that understanding and having that focus and having kind of being along for the ride with with the client and being being there and 
and saying, this is super important. The conversion rate is super important. Let's do it with kind of an urgency. Let's get things in place um, that are going to do that and kind of having a strong emphasis on that. That, that to me, that intellectual capital, that um, emphasis and kind of being there um, from a customer service perspective for the client, those things are like very hard to, to understand how to price. And that's, that's honestly why I don't, I don't like to price by hour. Um, and I honestly, I don't, I don't put out proposals by the hour. Um, I'm not like a, I don't have a, like a super sweet algorithm for doing value-based pricing or anything like that. But I do have a knowledge of general idea of what I want to make per hour or more. And, and then I kind of disregard that and say, what is this value to the client? Um, I definitely don't want to be doing, you know, if my base level, I do have an idea for an hourly rate. If my base level hourly rate is I want to be doing 10 hours more than that every, every month, but I do want to be um, thinking a lot more about what kind of money am I making for this client? <laughs> if I'm making money for this client, I should be in, on a regular basis. I should be just, um, pricing myself appropriately to, to, with recognition of that. That's the key to me. That's the, uh, and like how you do that, it's, it's hard to give that specific answer to people. Um, but to me, I just, I make a retainer and I, I make sure that I work a good chunk per month for them <clears throat> and I make some things happen. The point is I'm making things happen. I'm not just doing, th I'm not just doing things on their site to do things, to fill time. I'm making things happen that are going to make them money. That's the key. Yeah, I think that was a great answer. Um, some follow-through reflections on what you just said. Um, I feel in the industry under quote, quoting um, is endemic um, and most clients don't understand what the difference between a quotation and an estimate is. Um, do you firstly agree with that, that the temptation to underestimate and give a, a low and ball figure initially and then go back and ask for more money is there? And secondly, how do you for your initial in engagement with a prospect, how do you get across your value to them? So that's... Yeah. Um, I'm trying to do that on my website uh, for the second question. I'm trying to show that value from the beginning. I'm trying to, I'm trying to essentially stack the deck. Like I, I've got my, my about page um, and I... I put like every testimonial I've ever gotten in my life on there. I put like weird amounts of information about me, my favorite marketing books, my personality type, my, I've got a video that I got to do for a local news station. I put my story. I put um, every place I've spoken. Um, essentially I'm trying to stack the deck. I want an unfair advantage against my competitors because I have so much information that supports me being an expert that you wouldn't want to go anywhere else. Do you know what I mean? Like that's what I'm, that's where I'm trying to communicate the value. Cause by the time they get to me and we're chatting, if I have to do that, um, I mean, if I, let's just say I do, 
because let's say I have to do that. Um, it's hard, first of all, to say in so many words, you know, by the way, I, uh, I really am the expert here. And I, you know what I mean? Like I have to speak about it in an intelligent way and try to be as clear as possible about the process. But honestly, if you're trying to demonstrate excellence in your craft as a, let's say a WordPress developer in front of somebody, you're going to scare them off seriously, because you want to actually, you actually want to be as simple as possible. You don't want to be as complicated. You don't want to be super complicated. You don't want to go into, yeah. So, I mean, I do this sometimes accidentally. Uh, so I think we're going to need three custom post types and three custom taxonomies. And we're going to need to do, uh, advanced custom fields here, here, and here. Like they don't give a shit. They just want to make money off their website. And you say, this is going to tell your story better. We're going to make sure that you can edit it. Um, you know what I mean? The things that they care about and not be focused on all the technical aspects that I'm going to do in the background because they don't want to know. And honestly, when you say that stuff, when you get all complicated with them, you're actually they're going to, it's fight or flight. Like when we, when somebody talks to me about something that's uh, so complicated that it's above my head, I think they might be fucking with me. Well, I don't know if I'm not allowed to say fucking with me, but yeah, uh, you are. Oops. Okay. I think that they might be like messing with me because I don't know what's going on. So when they talk about something complicated that they know, I don't know about, they're just trying to sound cool. They're just trying to sound smart. And I want to avoid that. I want to avoid that because it, uh, yeah, it's, it, there's a kind of like a, to me, it's an instinctive, you know, uh, an instinctive thing when somebody gets really complicated in a sales pitch that people, they go, uh, I don't understand this. Maybe I'm supposed to, maybe I shouldn't be buying this if I don't understand this. And then they go and they, they don't want to, they don't want to talk to you again. They want to go talk to a sales guy at some bigger agency. That's not going to mention complicated things. So I just want to be, I want to learn how to be that sales guy that doesn't, I mean, I can understand the complicated things, but I'm going to try to say it in a way that that's like about their concerns, like whatever they're concerned about. So what you're, so what you're saying is, is you can, uh, if you use the wrong type of language and they don't understand what you're saying, that actually kicks off their fear instinct in their brain. Yeah. Yep. And they're like, run away. I don't understand any of this. I yeah. feel dumb, so I should yeah. run. Yeah, exactly. And oh, what about the first part of my... Sorry, I, I got the two questions in there. What was the other one again? Well, yeah. the I feel the kind of... Edemic, oh, I, okay, okay, now I remember. I quotation, remember. the difference between a quotation yeah. and a... Quote and an estimate. Yes. Okay. So like I said, in my proposals, I have a functionality requirements section. Um, and I make sure that every single thing, even the simple things, like let's say it has a contact form and it needs to send. I'm going to put that in the functionality document. You and I both know that doesn't take a long time. It takes five minutes to set up or whatever with gravity forms or whatever you use. It's usually very quick, right? No one cares. But I put it in the functionality document because, and I put every single piece that's even mildly a piece of considered functionality, like a menu, uh, put in like the drop downs or not drop down, you know, whatever. Um, 
And, and I put it in there because if it's not in there, it's not covered. And when, when somebody comes to me and they have a, a, you know, the scope creep thing, this, this stuff takes painful situations to come up, right? Like if you're new to this, you're probably going to make some mistakes and have to adjust your proposals, whatever. But, um, for people out there that are new to this, I can tell you right now, if you have some kind of functionality document, some kind of thing that, that shares what the, the proposal is covering and what's not covering, um, you're going to essentially mitigate some of those issues at the end. I personally don't generally do a lot of like at the end of a proposal, be like, you didn't, you know, it didn't cover this. Like let's, you know, it's going to be more money. I don't, honestly, I try not to do that too much because I know it's super annoying for clients. I had a, I had a, I have a friend that's like one building over. Um, and he, uh, he essentially, he's a, client he would be a client but I, I haven't worked with him he's just a friend of mine um it's t-shirts custom t-shirts and uh, so point being he worked with three different agencies every single time he has this happen to him where he has scope creep whatever and they're like it was supposed to be fifteen thousand dollars now it's twenty five thousand dollars something like that and i to me that's flabbergasting i don't love that i don't want to do that but when i have the functionality document in front of me and I can say, we agreed to this, 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 and this, you're giving me a pretty significant new piece of functionality. I would love to do it for you. I would love to do it for you. That is going to be an extra thousand dollars or whatever it happens to be. Um, and, and then I quote it up because I think, um, I think being clear about it along the process is really important. I try to stay away from that. Like I said, with the functionality document, but it helps to have that if there is an issue like that, I think. Thanks for that, Tim. That was an excellent answer. Um, when you've got a potential client and it's a large client and you know that they're also talking to maybe a larger agency, um, but they're also looking at you, how do you compete with their fear about engaging with you where it's not a price scenario it's a more yeah. will Tim be able to get this job done yeah and we could play safe and just go to a larger agency how do you overcome that fear and get that gig that's a really good question. I don't have an answer off the top of my head for it. I like that you said that the fear is not always related to price, though. I mean, it's it's uh, often really like sometimes they want to pay ten thousand dollars more just so that they like you're saying that they can feel like they spent all that they could spend on it to make it good. Um, I think it's good to know that it's not always it's not always price. I think if I had to come up with an answer for that question, I'd say. Well, I have this little office here. Um, I'm trying to make my space physical. I could meet meet up with people at a coffee shop, but I did I did have I have a specific uh, space. I like that because it's really it's actually quite cheap, um, relatively so. But it kind of like they have they know I come to work. I I have like uh, I'm gonna be here. I'm gonna I have a year lease. At least I'm gonna be here for a year. Um, 
they uh, they can, like to me i'm just making it more physical when it doesn't absolutely need to be physical i'm just making a little bit more physical so that they can feel i mean it's kind of like i want to give them that security of knowing i have a lease i'm here i've got like a sign um these little things to me are helpful for the client because then they say that's a that's a professional that's in a space and all that that's my way of doing it i i think that there's I think that there's honestly, um, there's some things around that, that that you can't work around. That some clients are just going to be that client that goes to an agency because they have 20 people, and if one of them dies, it's not over. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Um, hey, that's the case. I mean, what well, my some, agency's done if I'm not here. <laughs> I, I totally agree with you, um, yeah. but I think. That, them i'll just give you this and get your feedback yeah. um mm-hmm. i think having a a, a a realistic time frame but narrowing it as much as possible instead of mm-hmm. some um if it can be avoided i think there's some size of project that you probably can't take on but if you can do it in the minimum period of time, but give them an honest quote quotation that um, reduces the risk factor. They know that they will have this engagement over Pacific time and the deadlines in that proposal and the job will be done. And I think also, I think you've said that you have a lot of testimonials, a lot of information mm-hmm. about yourself. So I think that mitigates the scenario as well. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, no, I like that. Um, I don't love a five-month project either. I mean, uh, and yeah, so to me, it's there, my projects are usually like two or three months um, and I think I, I definitely agree with that point that having, and then clear cut, um, check-ins along the way on the project. Like this is when we meet for design. This is when, um, development's done. Having those dates in there. Um, I think that that definitely helps in making sure that they know that it's, you know, a very specific process that you go through. And, you know, we make it more, just a little bit more formal for the, the client, at least not for ourselves. Like, do I care if I meet? them a month and one week from now no i have a bunch of other projects and i'm probably going to do a lot of their work for the last two weeks of that <laughs> i honestly i don't care but i put air in the process partly for my other work but also partly for them um i put air in the process a little bit because uh, i want their feedback to be i want there to be some time in there for their feedback and changes and iterations um, and I just, yeah, it's, it's a balance on finding what's too little and what's too much. Cause you don't want to, you don't want every project to be, to take longer than you quoted. I mean, I think that with web design, it's always a lot, like there's a lot of projects that go over. Um, but, uh, my, my take on that is, uh, you know, I just recently finished a book about Elon Musk and his, his thing on that was he sets very aggressive time uh, timetables for all of his projects. And 
he doesn't expect to hit them, to be honest. He, he doesn't expect to. And I, that really annoyed me at the agency when they, they set unrealistic expectations for the client and that, and that. But the truth is, unless the client is like dead set on it being done two months from now, that's not usually a big deal for the client. Um, and you kind of got to test that. If, if it's a really like hard stop for them, I think it's it's pretty important to hit those dates. But I think that um, I think that some of those are aspirational. And as long as they know that, they know this is what we're shooting for, yeah, I think that it's okay to go over a little bit on projects. I mean, it, it happened at my agency, and I don't think people care about that. Clients don't seem to care about it that much generally, unless they're like that kind of client. And then I just – you got, you got to like – make the internal launch date like two weeks before the actual launch date so that you can uh, take care of those last two weeks of changes that are going to happen. I don't um, know. That's my, that's all. I totally, I totally agree. But the only thing on, uh, based on my experience um, is the more things go over the agreed time schedule, I found more variables for making the project go up really off increase yeah. the chances mm. um, that's a very good point i think i'll t- i think i'll take your experience on that one and uh we'll defer but, to that i like that um so it's quite possible just to go with client and say oh they don't really care and mm-hmm it's going and it's going to go over a bit more and it'll go over a bit more. But then you find that's where the scope creep and they've got more times to think about things. Yeah. That's a pretty, that's a pretty important piece. I think, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, I think we got about time for about one more question and then, uh, then uh, we'll we'll respect Tim's time. Um, I wanted to ask Tim, um, Really quick, you know, a lot of people are, you know, they care about SEO. Obviously, everybody wants to rank high in Google. They want to be number one. Um, but a lot of people maybe uh, don't understand what all goes into it. So, uh, you know, just for the benefit of, of anyone out there, you know, what what are the things, what are the first things that you should be looking at, like, if, if you're trying to improve your search rank in Google. Uh, I love SEO. I'm, I'm getting more heavy into it right now. The two main things are content and links. Um, so for clients, that's kind of what I say. And then I, I give them the, the three things I'm going to work on for that month. And then the, the three things that I did this month or however many things, but for I mean, that's that you kind of have to make it simple for clients when you're selling it. But for technicians out there that are potentially, you know, implementing this, um, it's, you know, there's low hanging fruit, like doing your uh, local directory listings. Um, that That's something I say every site needs um, is like ways to get that done for fairly cheap. Um, there's, Press release, uh, press release distribution, which you can get on like 350 sites. Uh, I think there's some that press release rocket um, would be a good one for that. Um, ways to get links out there kind of quickly and to get diversity of links and things like that. 
beyond that, it's kind of a it's kind of a slog. It takes a good amount of work with content and making sure that you have targeted content. You have to look at your competitors and figure out what kind of content they're doing, what's ranking for them, and then how high intent is that cop that content? Because just blogging every day with garbage is uh, is not going to make your your website right. rank for the things you need it to rank for. It has to be targeted content that's actually going to get eyeballs on your site of people that are actually possibly going to purchase. So medium intent and high intent things that actual clients and customers would uh, would be looking for, and then figuring out how to get those people um, taking the next step, like signing up for something uh, with an email uh, or, you know, it's, it's, it's a significant amount of time to learn SEO, but it's not so overly complicated that people should be scared of it. It's just, it's writing content that's targeted and you can look at competitors that are doing well and figure out what, what are they targeting their stuff at? and then creating landing pages and pieces of content like that. Um, and then, you know, a big piece for me is I do guest posts on other people's websites uh, that earns links back to my site for my clients. I've also started to do some guest posting for them. Um, and also figure out there's lots of ways to get links out there. So I'm going to leave that a little open-ended, but uh, there's lots of ways to get links um, and, it, they're absolutely crucial to ranking. So you have to figure out how to do it. And it takes some time to get all the, the possibilities um, at the core of what I'm doing. I'm trying to create value for clients. Um, and I'm trying to create value with the content that I create. And I'm trying to create value for my clients content that I create for their customers and their clients. So it's, a, you know what I mean? It's trying to create an offer value around the ex around my expertise and then for my clients around their industry and around their prime demographic and what those people want. Um, and that's the essential core of modern SEO um, that people need to know. It's, it's definitely heavy on the content. And for the initial optimization of a site, it's uh, making sure that your your pages are the right pages that you need that are going to be targeted for the things people are actually searching. And then let's say 600 to a thousand words for each of those main service pages is a, is a good kind of base level. Um, and, uh, you know, it's meta titles and descriptions. Um, and, and the, making sure those are optimized is very crucial, very crucial to really ranking something. So not, not underestimating the basics and what that can do for you. Um, it's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff there and yeah, it takes some time. I have to say it's been incredibly valuable for me to learn about that, to learn about what content can do for a company. Um, and content marketing goes back, you know, to like Guinness book of world records that was done by the beer company Guinness. Um, and it's, you know, it's a age old example of, content marketing and Michelin Mich star Michelin stars. Yeah. So, you know, the same ones I do, but there's old examples of content marketing. That brand is so much more recognizable today because of that piece of value that they created for the world at large and not necessarily with a, with a very clear tie back to their business. Not, not necessarily always like directly benefiting them. 
So sometimes it's just making stuff that's useful for people, even when, you know, it, it doesn't clearly affect your bottom line. But you definitely want to be thinking a little bit in the direction of how I'm going to create something and how it ties back. Because if you're sitting there sweating over content for hours and hours and hours, you definitely want to be thinking a little bit about how it's going to end up affecting your brand and your business. Um, yeah. Excellent. Uh, you know, so with that, I want to, uh, we're going to wrap up the episode, uh, I think. And Tim, anything that you want to, uh, where can we find you? Anything that you want to pitch anything? Uh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, uh, I have 12 episodes of my podcast up. It's a code world. Um, yeah, I highly recommend it too. Yep. Um, there's some good stuff on there. Um, I have this book, uh, WordPress development for noobs. Um, it's on Amazon, but you can also download a free PDF version of it. Timbdesign.com slash WP. And you can tweet me at Tim B design MPLS and send me a message at my email, Tim at Tim That's a lot of things, but, uh, I really appreciate you guys having me on. It was delightful and I learned some stuff and I feel like, uh, you know, I'd love to do it again sometime. Yeah, definitely. We want to have you back uh, maybe later this year. We'll, we'll have you back and we'll, we'll uh, talk more for sure. Um, Also also join us on one of our round table shows. Nice. That we do on Saturdays. We love you to join. Nice. Uh, Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and definitely want to remind everyone too, like if you're listening to this, uh, the next, this Saturday, uh, we're going to be doing an episode on what's a UX design or how UX design, uh, differs from regular, uh, disciplines, other disciplines in web design, uh, for sure. So check that out. Um, and Jonathan, how do we get a hold of you? Yeah. Uh, anything you want to promote? Yeah, but before that, folks, um, yep. we're going to be doing a special Wednesday interview next week with the crew from Liquid Web. Um, AJ Morris and Chris Lemmer will mm-hmm. be joining us. It's going to be a live show. Um, we're going to be using Zoom webinar technology you'll be able to join the discussion and also after the um, podcast part of the show, you'll be able to both ask AJ and Chris any question that comes into your mind and you'll be able to do that live on the show. To um, register for that, just go to WP Tonic Backstroke Blab and you'll be able to hit a link and register, and you'll be able to join us. How does that sound, John? Definitely, yeah. Be sure to go to that, wp slash tonic.com slash blab. Uh, You can see upcoming webinars, Saturday episodes, the Wednesday episode. uh, That's coming up in two episodes. Uh, So definitely, yes. Um, And if people want to follow me, you can find me. Uh, lockdown underscore on Twitter. You can go to my website, which is lockdowndesign.com, or you can go to uh, find me on Facebook. Uh, just look for Lockdown Design. Uh, for the WP Tonic, we're saying adios, sayonara, peace out, we out of here, and get your dose.
Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.